You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. Now, as you heard earlier, that we are inviting proposals for this year's Operation Santa Claus. And we want to support, of course, the worthy causes in our community. So without further ado, let's welcome our very first guest of today, Manoj Da, the co-founder and the CEO of Integrated Brilliant Education Limited, which is a charity that offers support program for underprivileged ethnic minorities. And of course, they are one of the 18 charities that we supported for last year's Operation Santa Claus. Manoj, welcome back on the program. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Noreen. Uh, an absolute pleasure to be here and to be speaking with you again. Yes, it's so nice to, to chat with you. Um, before we talk about uh, the, the project and, and, and how you're using the money uh, from last year, um, first of all, I, I want to ask, uh, what got you involved with um, ethnic minority children and education in the first place? Uh, thanks, Noreen. I think, uh, you know, for Gitanjali and myself, we've always believed that Children are the pillars of the society and, and, you know, the future of a city, state, nation, whatever you want to call it. Also, their robust education is the foundation of them becoming empowered and productive citizens. And that is the only way, you know, society or humanity can propel itself and advance itself. So one of uh, our so many, you know, uh, personal experiences and experiential learnings that we were able to come across and observe was that the socio-economically less fortunate non-Chinese-speaking children or ethnic minorities did not appear to be getting the correct inclusive and equal language learning opportunities in the schooling environment. And this obviously, you know, needlessly restrained, uh, restrained their growth potential, severely restricted their opportunities to elevate themselves from the unfortunate intergenerational party. And also, of course, you know, most unfortunate bit that, you know, they're not able to integrate themselves into Hong Kong social fabric. Uh, so that was uh, one side of the thing. And the other side was, you know, the census statistics uh, over the last two decades show that there's a consistent rise in these uh, the community, in this children community. And as Hong Kongers, we just felt, you know, very, very morally compelled and obliged to do our bit and try and help, uh, you know, Hong Kong's young ones. Yeah. Um, for some of these students, so what's the definition? I mean, are, are they, I mean, I, I hear sometimes the term is non-Chinese speaking students. I hear sometimes we refer to them as ethnic minority <laughs> children. I mean, what's the correct term or do, does it matter? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah I, <laughs> I think you've hit the nail on the head. Really speaking, honestly, from the purpose of schooling and education, it really shouldn't matter which planet you come from. Because at the end of the day, you see the entire premise of a school and the reason why children in a school have a uniform is uniform. So every child comes in and and everybody is to be treated the same way. So it shouldn't matter where your mother or father come from, especially in a place like Hong Kong where the, uh, you know, there's 15 years of schooling is free. So even the socioeconomic status doesn't matter. So in principle, it's a fantastic uh, schooling structure that the government has provided. It's well resourced and everything else. Uh, so uh, that that bit of complication of whether a person is non-English speaking, non-Chinese speaking, <laughs> ethnic majority, ethnic minority, from a census perspective, it's a good demographic data to have. But there is absolutely no reason for it to interfere or interrupt and, you know, just, uh, let's say, uh, isolate and uh, identify children on this basis. Mm. So in terms of correct terminology, uh, uh uh, maybe non-Chinese speaking is a slightly more <laughs> diplomatic, like, correct uh, terminology. 
Yeah, I suppose I, I see where you're coming from. I mean, it doesn't really ma- matter that the, the predominant is they are students and they're here to learn. So Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, well, let's talk about these students then. So usually the, the, the children that you work with are from a, from backgrounds of lower social economic uh, backgrounds, which means Correct. they're unable to really, and un- their parents are unable to provide them with the extra tuition, uh, t- so. tutoring uh, that's really sort of needed when you're learning Chinese because let's face it, it's a really difficult language to learn. And even if you are a Chinese student, I, I sure. see all of the, the, the students always going for extra uh, uh, tutoring. So where does Correct. how does your center work? Where does it fit in? See, uh, you know, Noreen, you've got uh, everything bang on, and and it's so nice because uh, you know it makes us uh, our communication that much easier to explain. So schooling-wise, you know, if you look at the international schools in Hong Kong, there's no concept of a child being an ethnic minority or a majority or a non-English speaking or a non-Chinese speaking. But unfortunately, in a small place like Hong Kong, the local schools have somehow managed to, uh, you know, get attracted to it and have then kind of lashed onto it. So the way our centers uh, and our learning centers are doing is, one is we are not just a stereotypical traditional uh, come in here, do your academics and go off. So for us, Supporting the child is education, which means not just the academics, not just the Chinese language, but so much of the uh, out-of-classroom experiences we do, you know, uh, whether it's taking them out for sports, whether it's taking them out for educational trips to the various museums, helping them appreciate Hong Kong, helping them integrate into Hong Kong, motivating them to learn the language, and breaking down, you know, all these barriers that are there. So, um, so yeah, so so basically, uh, that's, that's where we are, and that's what we do, and, you know, at uh, at the moment, we have like 280 children across our two learning centers. Wow. And of course, this has happened because, you know, the community, uh, you know, the humbler segments of the society, they trust us, they respect what we are doing. And, and they've allowed us to, you know, uh, earn their trust and respect. And, and that's why, you know, their children keep coming to us. Yeah, unfortunately, with COVID, we hear um, a lot of the times of class suspensions. A lot of children have been affected. I mean, what sure. sorts of impact uh, did COVID have on the learning for some of the children that you work with? Sure. So you're absolutely right. I, I think uh, last two years, and especially Hong Kong, where you know there was a little bit of social unrest before that and everything else, it's been massively challenging for all school-going children. But you look at the a proposition, as you've correctly pointed out, uh, of the non-Chinese speaking children going to the local schooling system. Now, usually, mostly the reason why they are going to the local schooling system is because their parents don't have the money to send them to the extensive international schools. And there, so one, they were already struggling with the Chinese language learning. Then the specter of their educational poverty has only exacerbated over the last two years because one, the language is a challenge. Two, uh, you're not being able to go to school. So in-person schooling hours have dropped to like literally a fraction. Then the academic momentum doesn't really uh, work out well because online learning in people who are living in 100 square feet apartments, subdivided places, and the infrastructure is not really there to that can support uninterrupted online learning or for that matter, them having the ability to have the Wi-Fi and the internet to print out material or to download stuff. So, so yeah. So, if you are talking about educational uh, poverty, it's it's there, it's real, and and I think uh, in the coming two years is when it's really going to, uh, especially the kids who've not been able to find any support, uh, it's it's really going to rear its ugly head uh, to the absolute maximum. That's really heartbreaking to hear. It's yeah. you know, it's absolutely. 
Oh, I don't even have the words because, you, yeah, you're absolutely right. Some of these children may not even have tablets to do online no, learning. Absolutely. And absolutely. even if they have tablets or computers, where's the Wi-Fi? And, and it may not be fast enough for them to, to, to catch up. Yeah, so time. We'll, we'll have to see how, how, how it works out. Hopefully, um, with centres like yours, they, they are yeah. supported, which is the great news, uh, which is yeah. precisely um, what your proposal was uh, to, to get extra money for the kindergarten um, t- sure. Tell us about the kindergarten then. Yeah, so from the kindergarten perspective, see, our philosophy in IBEL has always been that the best cure to any challenge or to addressing any issue is to address the root cause. You know, trying to deal with the symptoms never really uh, helps and it doesn't really work long term. Now, the important part there is to understand what is the symptom and what is the root cause. So in this kind of a situation, and the entire proposition that we are talking about is setting up an inclusive, equitable, and an equal language learning kindergarten school, which has Chinese medium of instruction. So the kindergarten should be a school, and and that is the way a school should be, that it should embrace children from all walks of life, and which is what our kindergarten would be doing. And it doesn't matter what your native mother tongue is, what your country of origin is, what your economic status is because, you know, it it comes in uh, under the free quality kindergarten education scheme. So that is the entire concept, that you have uh, children who are uh, um, predominantly a bigger segment of the student intake will be the non-Chinese because they don't get such opportunity. And then a smaller segment will be Chinese, but it will be a CMI or the Chinese medium of instruction, not no easier curriculum, no lighter curriculum, no additional curriculum and all that, because... As you know, you know, long term, what it does, it just cripples the child and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no uh, turning back once you've set up on that path. Yeah. And also, um, and part of it is also exposure so that um, uh, uh, Chinese students of Chinese background, they get the exposure because a lot of the times um, I I look around at the kindergarten in in my daughter's school, for example, there are very few sort of non-Chinese students in in, in the kindergarten. Um, And I'm sure that they're, I mean, I suppose, and we we talked a little bit about this off air, I suppose um, uh, parents or students of certain um, ethnic groups then um, choose certain schools to go to. So you'll find that there's a, a, a heavier proportion of, say, uh, South Asian children in certain schools. And I, I guess we'll dedicate another program to this to talk about the reasons why that may be. Perhaps it's word of mouth or perhaps people feel more comfortable going to schools that they're familiar with or have heard about. Um, but that that's certainly very interesting. We'll, we'll have to dedicate another program uh, on this. Um, but uh, as you heard earlier, uh, the funding for Operation Santa Claus is is yeah. in full swing, and and the proposal sure. we're inviting more p- people to, to to join for this year. Um, you got the funding last year. Do you have any tips to, to share? And I say this because the proposal is actually maybe I shouldn't really say this, but it's kind of a lot of paperwork to do. And um, I mean, what sorts of tips do you have to to share with some potential charities who who think that the funding will help their projects? Yeah, so I think uh, paperwork-wise, Noreen, uh, I didn't say it, you said it, so, <laughs> so I will not comment on that. Uh, it's but, it's but just I what think, I've heard. Yeah. You know, I, I often emcee uh, the Operation Santa Claus, uh, and I often talk to various charities, so that's a genuine feedback because of the paperwork. <laughs> so I, think, I think in terms of sentiment and philosophy, honestly speaking, uh, you know, every everybody's got their own uh, vision and their own solution and everything else. And, and you know, we ourselves are still learning every single day. And although we are a frontline 
service organization and you know we've been at it for like seven and a half years so we are still learning but i think the key important part is that of course you know whatever is the challenge that a society is facing uh the the challenge should directly relate to a society uh, to a societal challenge that hong kong is facing and then in a follow up to that the uniqueness of your approach or the solution or the social innovation that you are planning to bring in that has to be you know very very tangible very constructive uh, you know it should not be a wisps of dream castles in the air practical pragmatic realistic deliverable so i think from our perspective if if people just keep it uh, as simple as that uh, and and you know just look at that okay you know the uh, the most important thing is that everybody has a view but it doesn't help if people are just talking about it and talking about it nonstop but but when you're going into operation santa claus you must at least be able to say that yes like every society there is a challenge that we face and this is the solution we are coming to you with so that is most likely uh, you know going to appeal well to the you know esteemed judges at the operation santa claus Yeah, wow, pearls of wisdom. I really I think a lot of charity should hear uh, what 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 Manoj had to say and hopefully apply for this year's uh, funding. Meanwhile, Manoj, remind our listeners once again, how can we find out more a little bit more about Ibel? Have you got a, a Facebook page, a website? How can our listeners find out more about your yeah, charity? Yeah, I mean people can visit us at uh, you know, our Facebook is IB, uh, sorry, our website is iblhk.org and and you know from there you can easily find us on Facebook and LinkedIn and everything. So we are we are pretty easy to find and and the fact that we have two learning centers which work 6 days a week so yeah so we are we are pretty much uh, easy to find very busy indeed well manoj thank you so much for your time this afternoon and i look forward to having you back on for another program thank you very much thank you so much nori thank you